What's up, world? It's Monday, another Words with Friends podcast. Uh, I've been gone for a little bit, uh, very busy working on Trilectro and film stuff and other stuff, but I'm very happy to be back. I got a very special guest this time, somebody who I've been trying to get for a while, so I'm glad we finally made it happen. And um, and yeah, so uh, you guys know if you're supporting the podcast and if you want to see it keep going, you guys can make as little as a $1 donation at patreon.com slash Jabari, P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com slash Jabari. And you guys can leave as little as a $1 tip to keep the podcast going. But without further ado, right now we have my man, the CEO and founder of Nice Kicks, Matt Halfhill. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going, Jabari? How you doing, man? Man, everything is good, man. Everything is good. Happy to be... uh, I've been off the podcast for like maybe three weeks just because this summer, man, the end of the summer has been super busy for me. But... uh. But I'm very glad to have have you on, man, and uh, and I just have so much to talk about with you, man. So much. Oh, thank you, man. Well, hey, I always say busy, better busy with work than look busy looking for it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so Matt, first off, man, uh, just tell people a little bit about what it is that you do, and um, and yeah, man, I mean, you you your trajectory has been like so vast, uh, and like where you started from where you are now. So just tell people, you know, who you are and, uh, you know, how you like to introduce yourself. Man, it's it's so it's so weird because I try people ask me all the time. So what do you do with nice kicks? And I just say I I started it and <laughs> I and, you know, I guess what I do now is kind of like leading the direction of it. Mm-hmm. But so much has happened between the start and now and with my team that. I, I can't, it, it's so hard to say I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that because I've had so many people working with me. I've been so lucky to have such a great team around me uh, yeah. from the very beginning. And uh, yeah, but what I do on a daily basis is look for what are the new directions to take nice kicks in. So that, that's really what my focus is, is always looking for what's that new way to, to approach nice kicks. Nice, man. You know, uh, Okay, so I'm going to try to start this at, at when I first got on Nice Kicks. I mean, I think I've, I've been like, I would say, a 50% sneakerhead in my entire life. You know, like uh, being in the culture and knowing about what's out, but like never really. Um, I just, I, I, I always, I kind of collected sneakers, but it was just like, it was it was an expensive hobby for me. So it was one of those things where it was like, man, I don't know how much. It would be like I would drop $200 on some crazy pair of Nikes or something. And then I would be like, all right, this is like, I'll just tuck these away. And I'll, I won't like wear these. for." So I was that type of collector that just like got stuff that I really wanted, but didn't get stuff frequently and like rarely stood in lines for stuff. You know, just tried to like keep my little stash, uh, you know, in the closet. Um, and I think around when I was in high school, this is like probably, I graduated high school in 2005. So like around 2004, 2005 is when I started like really looking at stuff on the internet and I was on uh, Nike talk heavy. Um, and just like, you know, seeing everything from customs to like what was dropping, what, like where I could get deals at in, I, I went to high school in Ohio. So it was like, I would like look at the local stuff and see like where people were, you know, having all that type of stuff. So is that, is that how your sort of like sneaker, uh, 
you know, internet career started? Was it on sites like Nike's Kick? I mean, was it on sites like Nike Talk or, or what? Nike Talk. I mean, I, really, my career with sneakers started really like my whole career with sneakers started with my first job. My first job was working at a shoe store uh, in in Victoria, B.C., Canada, called Athletes World. And at the time, Athletes World um, in our district actually outperformed Foot Locker. Uh, we had we had a very strong presence out there in British Columbia. Mm. And I started at age of 16. It was my first job. And about a year later, after working there, um, we got in some shoes that hit clearance. And my manager was struggling for sales. You know, the economy was not all that up in Canada at the time, nor was it in the United States. And, you know, right after 9-11. But so what I did was he said, here, try these out. See if you can move some shoes that we got in store online. I was like, fine, sure, I'll do that. He's like, if it doesn't work, you can always return them. So I bought up like five pairs of shoes or six pairs of shoes, took them to eBay, I sold all of them that night or by the end of the next night. So I came back and I bought everything that was left in the store. Well, then what that did, so then, so, and I made more money doing that uh, just from those quick flips of shoes of clearance items onto eBay because they were items that didn't come out in the United States. Uh, you know, Shocks uh, XT, uh, but it was in this yellow and black colorway. But it, it never made its way into the United States. It was exclusive to Hong Kong and Canada. Wow. So, so what I did was I got I got some more, and then what happened was the district manager thought, "Wow, this shoe is really popular at this store. Let's send everything that the district has to this one store." So then I went back and I bought thirty pairs of those, flipped them. Then I got the whole company. They sent everything that was in the entire country of Canada to that store, and I, you know, did the same thing again. Bought them, flipped them, and all that kind of stuff. So that's really where I got started with sneakers and the online biz. I was looking at, look, and then, you know, it was really finding what people didn't want in my certain area, and then finding what people did want uh, in other areas. And it just kind of being the go-between to connect what is one man's garbage is another man's treasure. Uh, Supply and and demand. Yeah, so supply demand, and you know, th- this was just in the days when websites there weren't really a, a lot of there wasn't even a website for my company, even though they had like eighty or ninety stores. There were there was no website, wow. so it's not like anybody could just see what was available. So it really took a lot of on the ground hustling to know what was the what was available in store, when it was going to go on clearance, and then how was it popping down there in the states. So that's really where I got my start with sneakers and the online tip was wow. flip shoes. Yeah. Okay. So then take me to the next step then. So then, you know, what happens? Do you, do you see that, uh, you know, eBay was the way to go? Were you trying to create like, we're you trying to be like a power seller on eBay? Well, it, it all, I wanted to be a power seller on eBay until I started seeing my eBay fees. And then I was <laughs> exactly. like, nah, nah, man, not, not going to do this. Not going to do this. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to register a domain name and start my own website. And this is in 2002. And so and that website was nice kicks. That website was nicekicks.com. Okay. Okay. Now yeah. I remember nice kicks originally being maybe, was it like a blog spot? No, it wasn't, it a, wasn't blog a blog spot. spot? Okay. It was, no. it, but it's, it was, 
was it was it just were you selling shoes on there in the beginning or was it just like we were selling shoes i can't legally comment too much about what was sold and not sold and the questionable products that were uh (laughs) alleged to have taken place on that website uh for a certain period of time it was for a, a period of about two years that there were some questionable items being sold on uh, the domain name nicekicks.com. Uh, but you know that's more than a decade ago. I've made, I have regrets in my past that I, you know, want to, you know, better myself from. Um, so I think a lot of people listening will know what that's all about. Um, again, I would love to be able to tell the full story of what went on, what didn't go on, but I just legally can't. I've signed an agreement not to. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Okay, so we won't stress on that too much. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So, so, all right. So, nice kicks dot com launches and take me through like you know what is on the site in the beginning so i can't go into what was on the beginning of the site but with the blog i launched the the blog blog. in 2006 um or so it was either 2005 2006 and i installed i still remember it was wordpress 1.3 and it was i had to hack that thing so (laughs) much to make it work to be mine yeah um and basically what I did was I had a, you know, I had also a lot of experience with online marketing um, and search engine marketing. And really what I did was I did a lot of keyword research to see what were what were heads out there search, typing into Google or Yahoo at the time uh, searching for things. Mm. And so what I found was there were a lot of people who were looking for information about sneakers, but they did, there wasn't really a big, there wasn't other than the forum sites there wasn't really any site out there that had all the information about sneakers. So I said, well, let me take a negative and turn it into a positive with nicekicks.com. Let's do something that was taking from people instead giving it back. And so that, that's been my MO ever since then, um, you know, is, is turning a negative into a positive and building nicekicks.com to what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you know, and I mean, I still, I still want to, uh, to, to, you know, sort of talk about the growth of the site, especially because it's just yeah, it's so, sure. it's so, uh, it's so relevant to me, man. Because you know, like I've, I've just been, I've been on it for so long, you know, and I got, it's been like my premier go-to site for sneaker news and and all that stuff. But, but I, I do want to jump ahead a little bit, Matt, because I want to talk about just, you know, what, what do you think? is your what is your definition of a sneakerhead and talk a little bit about just like sneaker culture and what it has become man because you know I'm 27 right now but growing up it was like a subculture you know when I was 17 16 it was something that like it was me and my close friends at school that really like even cared about release dates or even cared about like having our sneakers in different colorways and stuff like that but now it has become something that is like it is pop culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's hitting pop culture. I mean, Jesse from A-Life just recently did an interview for Adidas, and he talked about the beginnings of A-Life as a store. And back then, it was just there were just a handful of weirdos who really liked shoes. Yeah. And you, now it's like you got a world full of weirdos who like shoes. Yep. And, yep. You know, but to me, what a sneakerhead is, is first off, it's something that you define for yourself. It's not something someone else defines for you. I think that, you know, to people I hear a lot of times, especially from younger kids, like, am I a sneakerhead if I have this many pairs of shoes? I'm like, a sneakerhead is a lifestyle and a mindset. It's not about how many shoes you have, where you buy them from, how much you spend on shoes. Lifestyle, it's just a mindset. Yeah. It's a sneakerhead. It's somebody who thinks about sneakers a lot, yeah. you know, and you can define what a lot is. 
you know. So I really think that everybody's got a little bit of sneakerhead in them, and you can just define to yourself what it means. Yeah. And so, but to me, being a sneakerhead is always looking at, you know, the history of shoes or checking people's feet, thinking about the, you know, thinking about the references that they're that they're referring to when they're wearing what they're wearing. You know, like I, I take, for example, I see somebody and they're wearing a pair of Bo Jacksons and I think, OK, does he know about Bo and does he does he like when he's putting those on, does he see himself as Bo Jackson? Some people just might look at it as like, oh, it's a fresh shoe. I love the colors, good materials. But to me, like I think being as part of being a sneakerhead is like when I get up in the morning, and I'm going to pick up a pair of shoes. It depends what my mood is to, to, for what shoes I'm going to put on. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if I'm feeling like listening to some old school hip hop, I might go and grab out a pair of Puma Clydes with the big fat laces yeah. or a pair of Shalto's. If I'm feeling like you know, hey, I'm going to be invincible today, I'm going to be like you know, I'm going to be like MJ. Then I'll go grab myself the Jordan fives and or the Jordan threes, which I still think is his best season was in in the '88 season. Yeah. So you know, like for me, that's that's part of being that head is like living through your shoes. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, shoes for me, man, they 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 take me back to like an era when I grew up in. You know, like I was just bowling the other day, and I'm in the bowling alley, and um. I just like recently I forget the number of Jordans these are, but you know the ones that were designed and they like were they were inspired by a Ferrari. What number was those? That's the fourteen. The fourteens, right? So I just saw somebody with like the black and yellow fourteens that uh, recently dropped, and I was just like, I remember when I was in school and how bad I wanted those, and like how much you know my mom was looking at the price and was just like, I'm not getting those for you, but like I wanted crazy. to. $150. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, and and but it just took me back to that time in high school. I just looked at the shoes right then and there and I was like, "Oh man, this reminds me of my my childhood or when I was a kid." You know, so I think that's that's what sneakers mean to me. They're just like a time period, you know. Like, well, they're a nostalgic element. You know, the thing is is that very few of us, I mean, you're still a young pup, but you know, the older you get, you know, you know, you can't necessarily pull off that clothes, or you might not even want to pull off the clothes that you were wearing in high school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not about to rock some Carl Kanai right now. You know, like, <laughs> but yeah. I will rock, I will rock kicks from the late, from the mid and late '90s. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I think that sneakers are a nostalgic piece that are that can transcend time periods much easier than fashion or accessories or you know, hairstyles even, you know, like there's, yeah. there's just something about sneakers that for whatever reason, you can pull out a pair of Chuck Taylors. And like my dad went to this school at Georgia State. And I remember the first time that I wanted Chuck Taylors, he told me about how he went to this place called Walters. Then I told, then I remember telling him, dad, Walters is still around. <laughs> you know? Like he couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and my dad's 45, was 45 when I was born. So, you know, like there's a huge generational gap there. Wow. Um, so there, there's, that's the one thing. Sneakers, sneakers are timeless and they're a timeless nostalgic item. You know, what, what do you think, Matt, about, um, you know, there are, it, it's, it seems like as if now, I mean, there's a lot of new heat coming out as of over like the last two years. Like, I mean, I think Adidas is doing something like, really uh cool stuff but 
as well as Nike with like you know the flying technology, all that stuff is like pretty dope. But do you right. do you think that the sneaker game has uh, you know over the past like ten years with retros being such a thing with Jordans and just all all kinds of sneakers, right? Do you do you think that there's been like a lack of creativity, or do you think that there has been uh, you know has there been too much emphasis on just bringing back old styles? You know, I sometimes think that. Sneaker blogs are to blame for this, mm-hmm. and I take I take a lot of responsibility for, you know, people always wanting to have a story to go along with a shoe. Mm-hmm. But what I think that that does is it puts pressures on the brand because consumers today don't just want to go into a store and just buy a product. They want to buy an experience, and with an experience comes a story. Yeah. And if you don't have a story to tell with your shoe, I don't care how great it is. People just aren't going to, it's not going to live up to any hype because there's no hype. There's no story. Yeah. You got to have, and, and a story doesn't mean like literally storytelling of telling of a legend or something like that. It can be down to the design process. It can be the background on the designer, the story on the colorway inspiration. You know, all those little things that go into a product. If you don't convey that message to a, to a consumer, I don't think they're going to care because the thing is, the retros have nostalgia. They have uh, a tie to a moment in history, a moment in time, a, a sports moment. Like That's what all the retro product has that a new product doesn't have. So what I really think is that it's put a challenge to the brands to say, if you're, when you introduce a new product, you got to do more than just throw something on the shelf and hope people walk in and buy it. Yeah. Because right now, consumers are making their their purchasing decisions before they go into a store. They already know what they want to what they want to buy when they walk into that store. Yeah, you know it's not I mean? like people are going in and sort of browsing and perusing. You like you've already done that on sites like Nice Kicks, right? And and you know, while they're browsing and stuff, they gotta they've gotta hear they've gotta hear a reason or a compelling thing to a compelling narrative of why this product matters and why it's different and why it's game changing and why you should spend a hundred something dollars for it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think is, is doing it right? Who do you think is, you know, what brands and uh, especially models, you know, of sneakers that do you think are, are telling a compelling story? Man, I really love what Nike's done with flying it. I think yeah. that's really awesome. Um, there's a lot of storytelling in that product it, it, all the way. Like when they first introduced it, not only was it something that was unique in terms of the materials, but really the engineering of the manufacturing of it. Yeah. You know, it's manufactured different from any other shoe. So Flyknit's been something I've really been feeling. Um, Adidas with Boost. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible product. Incredibly comfortable. And, you know, they've done a good job of telling us about what Boost is and showing how, you know, like, they, like they showed uh, Dame Lillard dropping two metal balls, one on Boost and one on EVA foam, just to show you the differences between the two. Yeah. So there's been that too. Um, and then you know, I think Under Armour. I mean, we're we're right now in the in the midst of finding out if Kevin Durant's going to go over to Under Armour. Yeah, that was one of my I, questions for you. What do you think about that? Man, <laughs> that could be huge. We were, we were sitting in the office. We were sitting in the office, and I was just like, "Man, this would be the mo- one of the most game-changing moments in my in 
like in my career, yeah. uh, if this happened, because now you have, you almost have like a big three in terms of uh, performance athletes that are the front runners of their brands. You got Derrick Rose at Adidas. You've got if Katie goes to Under Armour, Katie at Under Armour, then LeBron James at Nike. Yeah. And the, it, it's really going to create a lot of parity in the market um, when it comes to assets and talent. Because, you know, Kobe, Kobe's great. Kobe's got legacy. Kobe's got all that. But he's on his way out. I mean, he's he's old. You know, uh, he's get, or I should say he's getting older. He's towards the end of his career. Yeah. LeBron, he's like kind of in the midway of his career. So that means that they don't have young rising talent anymore in the signature space unless they give my man Kyrie Irving a signature. Yeah. Which and a lot of talk about that. But then on the flip side, you've got Under Armour, who's got probably the most marketable man in basketball. Probably the most marketable man in basketball. Yeah. I mean, how you know you can count the number of of, of KD haters on your hand, man. You really can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wh- who? How many people have walked? And I mean, I I I've I've met I first met KD. Gosh, this was on the when the KD one was out. So this was like six years ago. Wow. So humble, so genuine, so down to earth. And I've met him a number of times since. The, and I have not met one person who has said, oh, man, Katie's such a jerk, or Katie's such an ass, or Katie wouldn't stay uh, for my full questions of interviews. Wow. I mean, yeah, he seems like a nice guy, man. He, he really is. And you've got the social power that he has. Yep. I mean, that, it's incredible what that would do in, in terms of changing up the game if, if uh, KD went over to Under Armour. Yeah, man, I'm, I just pulled up an article right now, and uh, what, KD sells for the KD6, I believe? Uh, this is from Forbes. 175, $175 million in the U.S., um, and that's just, I believe, in one year. Um, yeah. And I think LeBron did close to, like, $300 million last year. But LeBron's of, uh, got a got a $200 shoe, whereas KD's were 130 last time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, and what, what is, Under Armour is, like, reportedly offering him how much? The, 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 the ESPN has reported that it was a 320 or 325 for a 10-year deal. Wow. Now, I'm sure that's probably not guaranteed. That's probably some incentive base, because yeah. obviously they're going to want a guy to continue to go to the playoffs, go deep in the playoffs, and, um, you know, with their brand on it, yeah, uh, yeah. on his feet. Uh, but, I mean, that's not a stretch at all. I mean, yeah. the guy's been healthy. The guy's been doing it. It's not a stretch to say that, that KD can't go to the finals. I mean, yeah. come on, he's done it. You know, I mean, he's done it several times. You know, he, he went one time, um, sorry, to the finals. But, you know, he can – I, you know, we'll, we could get into basketball talk about what the West is going to be shaping like. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, you know, Matt. What's interesting to me is how much, um, you know, there's like two things that that I feel like affect sales, right? Obviously, one of those things is uh, is the player's performance, kind of just like what you were talking about, and you know how well that player is doing. Uh, if they're bringing home championships, you know, conference finals, all that stuff, how, how far they're advancing in the league. But then there's another thing, and, and, and it's like style, you know what I mean? And, and I'm a huge fan 
of the LeBron signatures. I, I think that they've like really stepped the game up from like pretty much from like the sevens or maybe the eights up. I think that like the design of the last three to four years of the sneaker has been incredible. And the and the leak stuff I've seen of what, the elevens coming out now? Um, the 12s, the 12s. The 12s, okay, the 12s. Yeah, those look crazy. You know what I mean? They, 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 everything looks good. And I think the same thing with KD. Like, the last KD sneaker was a sneaker that you could wear with jeans. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you can just, right. you can wear it. Like, it, you don't have to be playing basketball at all to, to, to rock this stuff. So, you yeah. know, how, how much do you think design and just, like, casual wear is influencing, you know, the sales and, and the numbers of these sneakers, these signature sneakers well, especially? Well, it depends on the style of the shoe because I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, so with the KDs, they started introducing them, especially this, this most recent one that has a mesh hyperfuse front on it. They introduced that joint in the summertime because people were going to be going outside and playing ball in the, and out in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that that shoe has to pass the denim test as much because people already saw it on their feet or saw it on their peers' feet in the summertime Yeah. rather than in the wintertime. Now, I think like with LeBron, you've got a shoe that is dropping in December or whatever, it's got, or in, in October, November, people are already seeing colder weather and wetter, uh, wetter precipitation, all kinds of stuff. They're going to want to see a shoe that they, that they can rock with denim because that's what you're wearing. Yeah. So I definitely think denim test is important, but it depends when you introduce that shoe. If you introduce that shoe in a time when denim is not so much a factor, people can fall in love with the product before denim is even pulled out of the closet. Mm, true, true, true. What uh? What are some brands you know underdogs that you're that you're looking at and that you uh you know like outside of you know the 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 big boys the Nikes the Adidas the Under Armors the you know people like that. Man, I like I love I love this um this skate company called S. Mm-hmm. I they've got a shoe that I just picked up. Man, so freaking comfortable. Mesh front, gum bottom. It just looks so beautiful. Seventy bucks. Nice. I mean, you just go wrong. Um, so S, they they're making a comeback. They they you know stepped out of the game for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on another um, you know brand that I always like to look at is um, it's a line of shoes, but Vans Pro uh, again from the skate line you know from the skate world. Yeah. Uh, so that's sorry. Can you hear the background noise on that? Oh, a little bit. It sounds like a little a little kid. Is, is this your kid? Yeah. Around? Yeah. I got, I got with me so you know what I'm <laughs> all right guys so we're back we had uh maybe about two weeks in between uh this podcast um but we're back to finish off the conversation with matt from nice kicks and where we left off matt was uh we were speaking about you know how how nice kicks became an authoritative voice in sneaker culture and you know what what did you intentionally do to make it you know that place where people could not only get news, but trust the news that they were getting. It was from the beginning, just always wanting to have information be hundred percent accurate. You know, like before there were forums and message boards that were great because everybody could contribute to them, but that was also their Achilles heel because everybody could contribute to them and not all the information was trustworthy. And so really what I did was I wanted it to be that we would 
check, double check, triple check, go on Wikipedia and verify if you need to on any little thing that was said on the site. So, yeah. yeah. And how important is the team built, you know, around, uh, because it's obviously now it's not just you posting stuff. Definitely not. No. So we, uh, my wife and I did everything for the uh, first couple of years. Um, and then we got our team, uh, with, in 2008, right at the end of 2008. And from there, actually, um, in addition to the original hires on that round, I think everybody on the team at this point interned for us. Now I think about it. Yeah, I think every single person uh, interned for us before uh, joining the team. So we've had an internship program um, since 2009. Um, and from that um, first batch of interns, almost everybody worked with us in some capacity after their internship. And Ian uh, Stonebrook was an intern at the time, and now he's really killing it every single week with Celebrity Snicker Stalker. So a lot of people have come through internship from the full team. Wow, that's awesome, man. I mean, um, you know, what, what are some things that you would have told? I, I like to ask a lot of people this, man. What are some things that you would have told your younger self when starting nice cooks oh man you know things that you know now it ain't that serious bro sometimes <laughs> I'm just you know what i mean yeah like sometimes like sometimes i you know got really stressed about certain little things and it's really you know what it's just sneakers sometimes mm. wow wow and are, are there any things that you that you've learned sort of along the way um that you didn't expect Oh, yeah, definitely learned a lot about um, just managing a team, you know, like going from self-employed to there's a huge jump between being self-employed and having a team of people to manage. You know what, man? That's something that everybody, every entrepreneur that sort of, you know, grows and you hear their story, that is like the thing that people talk about being the sort of like big shocker that, you know, not not being prepared to know how to yeah like you said lead a team man because it comes so it could become so much more about um you know people managing and managing people the right way um right. and that's 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 far greater than you know you just doing things how you're used to doing it so talk a little bit about that like what were some of those things that you learned in managing a team especially a team that like you might not be hands on with every single day because you're like running a website you know Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the biggest, I think, Achilles heel or biggest shocker for anybody who's self-employed. That and the first year you do taxes and there's this thing called self-employment tax. That's a huge (laughs) shocker for anybody self-employed or an entrepreneur. But anyways, uh, to this, um, what it comes down to is how well can your business scale? Can your business become a true business or can it be just a job? When it's you, yourself, and I doing everything, it's a job. It still is a career, but it's still a job. You own that job. But if you want to own a business and you want to own a company that's employing people and doing things and you know gr- continuing to grow, you're going to have to let go of something somewhere uh, to uh, to be able to do it. And I mean, like this goes for people all the way up to the top, no matter what industry it's in like you think jay-z want, has the ability or the time to make all his beats yeah you know yeah. like would would you know or does warren buffett 
you know, like, I mean, do you think he he's capable of doing probably almost anything? But, you know, to get to where he is, you had to at some point or another work with other people's money or work with other people's time. Mm. And that's that's part of, you know, building a successful business. You have to learn how to work with other people's time. Now, is that is that the part that you um, you know, what, what were some of the things that you given you have, I guess, given up or is it, you know, Obviously, there are situations like if you have an investor, you're going to have to give up equity. But sometimes it's a situation where if you have, you know, just like a vision, but you need somebody else to execute it, you're, you it might morph into a part of what their vision is. Like, so what's some things that you had to give up, I guess? The only thing I had to give up was, you know, I, 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 yeah, my personal life. Um, that was... That was definitely had to make sacrifices for the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I have been working it together for so long that, you know, we spent almost 24 hours a day together. And if it wasn't for Nice Kicks, we would have never met. So I owe a lot of thanks to, to wow. the business for that. That's incredible. Um, wow. Yeah. So first time we ever talked, uh, we, we were talking about uh, sneakers, about the Air Max 97. Then not long after we started dating, I found out that her saint, her birthday was the same as Michael Jordan's. And I'm like, okay, that is a divine <laughs> sign right there. So. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. What, um, what, where do you see the future, man? What, what's, what's in, uh, what's in the sort of path for nice kicks now? Um, you know, I see right now that there's a lot of the same stuff being done over and over. Yeah. on a lot of sites and it's not just in sneakers it's across the web people have started figuring out formulas and they're continuing to rinse repeat and use the same editorial formula same editorial calendar and i constantly challenge my team with this which is just because you think you found something that's that works that's good it works now now go find something else that works because you can't if you just keep doing the same things over and over the market and your readers are going to get bored and tired. Mm-hmm. So original content is a huge thing for us. Uh, one thing that we're going to be doing pretty soon is a community element because I feel that's lacking in sneakers. I think sneakers are built around community, yet there's not really, you know, besides Nike talk, there's not really a good forum for that has the, you know, the same level of community that say um, ISS forums had back in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that we're partly to blame for that. I mean, before people were going to forums and communities to digest their sneaker information, and then, you know, along came the blogs, and that pulled people away from forums who wanted quick-hitting information. But I think there are a lot of people who are saying, hey, I want to hang out and talk sneakers with other people who like sneakers. And right now there aren't a whole lot of outlets for that. Yeah, true, true. So how do you, I guess, how do you, make it different, you know, or how do you make it like an elevated version of, uh, of, of Nike talk, you know, we've got some stuff in the works. It's, it's going to be around technology. It's, it's, we have to come correct with the best platform. Yeah. uh, Technologically speaking. Uh, so we're working on a bunch of things that will incentivize people to spend time with each other and interacting with one another and, all that kind of stuff. That's so awesome, man. Just, I, I can't wait. want to have some fun with it. Yeah, I can't wait to see what's to come with that, man. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. no doubt, man. 
All right, Matt. Well, man, thank you so much, dude, for, for, for getting this thing done, man. It was a great conversation, man. Tell the people where they could uh, follow Nice Kicks. And, you know, if, if people are just being introduced, let them know where to go. Yeah, if you, if you follow us online at NiceKicks.com, all social media is at NiceKicks. Um, and definitely, you know, chop it up with us. Love to hear feedback. Thank you guys so much for listening to that podcast with my man Matt Halfhill from Nice Kicks. Matt's such an inspiration to me and so many other people. I mean, this website has grown from such a small little itty-bitty sneaker website to, you know, retail store and just being such a, 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 an authoritative figure and voice in the sneaker community. And I really can't wait to see what happens next with Nice Kicks. Um, you guys, like you said, check it out. Go to the website, NiceKicks.com. Check out all the socials. And as far as the podcast, you guys know you can support it with Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Jabari, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Jabari, and you can leave a $1 tip, as little as a $1 tip, and that ensures that I keep these conversations going. I keep bringing them to you guys as much as possible. Thank you for those that have already supported. Thanks for keeping the podcast alive. All right, till next time. See you guys.